and there's something about about that that I think our society is just yearning for right now is like please can I just relate with somebody and know that someone else feels the way that I feel and that for me um, really works and it's my biggest challenge as well because it's the thing that pushes me the most. Welcome to episode 27 of the Coaching Life Podcast, where we peel back the bull crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. Well, today's guest was actually referred to me by a previous guest on this podcast with a very brief introduction, actually. She's someone who has built a coaching practice relatively quickly and has been doing pretty well. But of course, there are always more details and more stories behind that very brief outline. So I'm just going to dive straight in and have a, say a big warm welcome to my guest today based in Colorado. It's uh, Elsie Storm. Hello, Elsie. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. So, Glad to be thank here. Thank you. So um, yeah, I'm going to start where I always start. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what got you into the coaching profession? Sure. So prior to being a coach, I was working for a social enterprise, um, helping to lead international volunteer groups abroad. And I was based primarily in Latin America, and I was living in Oaxaca, Mexico at the time. And I was um, somewhat miserable. And I remember my, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, Johnny said, um, hey, there's this, this coaching certificate opportunity from Tony Robbins. You know, do you want to do this with me? And, and I had done a lot of Tony's work and seminars and things like that. And I thought, eh, I'm not that interested in coaching, but I'll do it. And the reason that I said that I would do it was because when I was 23, I had gotten married and divorced in the same year. And it was this incredible year of like, you know, like this beautiful bliss and excruciating pain. And it was really, it was a really hard year for me. And part of this coaching certificate that Tony offered, there was an addition in marriage education and divorce prevention. And I thought, wow, if I could learn some skills from this and just help support a few people with what I learned so that they don't have to get divorced, I would, I would be so happy. So I did it just for that, not even thinking that I was going to uh, become a coach someday. And I did that program, and then I was out in California at a um, a spiritual conference, and I remember someone from the University of Santa Monica coming and speaking about a master's in spiritual psychology. And I had really wanted to do a master's program, but nothing was calling me. And as soon as I heard them speak about it, I knew instantly, this is it. And so I flew back to Mexico. I told Johnny, I'm doing this program. And we moved back to the States. And, um, and I enrolled in the two years of Master's of Spiritual Psychology at the University of Santa Monica. And 
once I was in that program, I was surrounded by a lot of other coaches. Um, I ended up getting laid off from my job, which, you know, I was like pissed for two days. And then I was like, wow, what a blessing. <laughs> I have this blank slate. And it really was because I think if I hadn't gotten laid off, I wouldn't have been forced to really look at what is it that I want to do with my life. And so throughout that program, I um, really got more and more clear that I wanted to become a coach. And I would fly home from California to Colorado and sit on the plane and like write out just all these ideas that I had. And, and the transformation and the healing that was happening within me through that program was so incredible that I just couldn't wait to share it with other people. It's like I wanted to be a coach for really no other reason than to just be able to do this work in this world on a bigger scale. And at the end of my second year, I started interning for a coach because, you know, I didn't have a full-time job anymore. I was doing some little gigs here and there. And I thought, I'm going to take this really seriously as if this is a real career, right? Which it is. But when I was first starting out, like I didn't really know a whole lot about it. So I interned for another coach and it was great. And I would really recommend that to anyone who is wanting to, to do this because what I learned was things that she was doing that I thought worked really well and things that she was doing that I was like, ooh, that doesn't resonate with me. I'm not, I'm not going that route. So um, I was able to get clear on like the backside of what a coaching business looks like, which was really fun. And um, in that, Right before I started my business, I also had, uh, I don't know, like it was this magical moment of hearing about um, this program that Brian Wetton was offering called Selling by Giving, which is really about just serving and being of service and really like having really powerful enrollment conversations and enrolling people in your practice. And so I got a really clear you know, idea and information from him of like, oh, this feels super in alignment. And so I graduated from USM. I took everything that I learned from um, Brian Wetton's program and from my internship. And I started a coaching business. Like the next day I launched a website. And within the first uh, month, I got six, no, five, six month clients who signed up right away. And I was like, okay, the universe is giving me very clear feedback that I'm on track. Like keep going and it kind of went from there so um you said you mentioned you, you set up a business and you created a website how did how how did um those clients either find you or you find them those first few clients yeah i i started by sharing just with a lot of my friends and family offering anyone who would take a couple coaching sessions with me like can I just coach you for free please can I coach you for free so there was a lot of word of mouth that was going on and then I asked them to share and then I also remember writing a really vulnerable post on Facebook about why I was coaching about my divorce and sharing really openly and authentically about it and it really resonated with a lot of people because I think Facebook is this place where we show everyone what's shiny about mm. us, but rarely do we show what's truthful. And I was very honest. And on my website, I, I shared a lot about my story of what I went through with that and my healing and what had occurred. And I just got incredible feedback from that. And um, so many people just started to reach out and said either, you know, I really 
recognize this, like I've been through similar pain, or I just am so impressed by how you've overcome this, and can you help support me in my life? And it just really started from just sharing authentically um, about some of the things that I had felt a lot of shame around and thought that were my, like, kind of, quote, unquote, my uglies, right? And I put them out there for the world to see and um, how I had moved through that and what I'm creating now. And I don't know, people just resonated. It's very, and reached yeah, out. And that, that kind of thing always fascinates me. I mean, I, I, I posted several, several things really, really wearing my heart on my sleeve. And um, I wrote, I, it's a while ago now, but I wrote something about a recent breakup and some pain and some emotions I was feeling out of that. And um, I, somebody said to me in a conversation, um he said i i read that and i thought mm, that doesn't that doesn't look like that would be good for business <laughs> that doesn't look like that'd be good for business because people expect coaches to have all of their shit together and i think well actually i don't think anyone has their shit totally together and and yet that was that was like one piece of feedback but other pieces of feedback that i got and just overall from a lot of the stuff that i was sharing around that is oh my god it's so beautiful that you're willing to share this stuff i really connect with that and and actually that's that's at the core of any coaching business isn't it connecting with mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. um what did, what did you learn what did you learn really around those first few clients what did you what did you really learn about your your coaching business wow it feels like a long time ago. how long was it by the way let's get real well it wasn't that long but it was it was four years a little over four years ago um I think what I learned was, well, that I was going to have really good sessions and not really great sessions. Like I was still learning how to coach to an extent, right? And I remember there being a few moments where I would finish a session and say to them, this wasn't our best session. Let me offer you another call free of charge. I don't feel like I showed up as well as I could today can we do this again? Right. And they'd be like, Oh, well, I thought it was great. Like I thought this was a great session. And, um, and so I learned how to, to just kind of own where I maybe wasn't perfect, which as I got more and more into coaching, I forgot to do that. And that recently kind of came back to kick me in the butt a few weeks ago. And so now I'm remembering it. And that's part of why I'm sharing it here is like, there's a lot of power in owning when I think maybe we don't show up a hundred percent in the way that we want to and the other thing that I learned right away that's been really valuable for me I learned this from Brian Wetton was he said to constantly be checking in on what's the value that we're creating here and that was scary for me because I thought oh my god what if they're not finding enough value in our conversations can I ask this and my ego was like no you know and and I did anyways and I I continue to like to ask ask the question of, you know, on a scale of one to ten, where's the the value that you're receiving? And also on a scale of one to ten, how committed are you to doing this work? And what I'm finding consistently over time is that their level of commitment to coaching is the exact same number as the level of value that they're getting out of it. And that the sooner that I could have that conversation about why are you a level five on commitment here? Like we just, you really committed and we're on session five or six and your commitment levels dropped. And that, that really helped to re-engage them and continue like re-enroll them into the coaching so that they could 
be getting even more value because I'm aware that when I put all the pressure on me that it's all up to me, right, then just like things tank. Um, and and it's a really sticky trap that I can get stuck into at times. Such an important point. Such an important point, which I, I know even now, like you said, you, you, you like bit your ass a little while ago. And I think, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's something that I catch myself um, forgetting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. forgetting time and time again is to is, is is that focus on value because as you as you're alluding to there it's, it's the client that brings the value into the sessions yeah yeah and for me from a spiritual psychology perspective it's not really me doing the yeah. work right it's spirits flowing through me and when i when i get stuck in this space of trying to prove worth like look at what a good coach i am <laughs> It doesn't work. It just like it just falls so flat for me, um, and I get exhausted. I'll be drained at the end of the day, and it's a really important reminder. Of, like if I'm tired, where was I improving worth today? Because when I'm just sitting in, how can I provide value and really letting spirit flow through me and do the work and just listen to, hit of intuition and put my hand out and say, where's the next tool, God? Like show me, right? Then I finish my day and I'm energized. And it's it's a thing that I have to constantly be checking myself in because my ego wants to prove worth like really big time. So um, so I have to continue to come back to like, okay, what's the authentic place of of this and and how do I fuel myself through through something bigger than me instead of trying to fuel myself through let me really try to impress you with my coaching. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I, I mean? I totally know what you mean because I think <laughs> many of us have fallen into that trap of thinking it, it sounds, it's so cliche, of course, but I think things become cliches because they're said so often and there's truth in them that it's really not about us, actually. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious. <clears throat> you said, you know, you, you were talking to people, offering free coaching, no doubt to like friends, friends of friends and your immediate circle. How has that developed over the last four years? Like, um, can you tell us a story of where clients have come from? Like how that's progressed, how that's changed, where they're coming from now? Sure. I think, I think so many of them are still coming from the same place of referral, either from people within my web of trust or clients that I've met, I get very little hits from the internet or my website. I mean, maybe two to three a year, very small. So I don't put a lot of effort into, into that piece of it. Um, even yesterday I had a discovery session with someone and she said, oh, well, I heard about you from so-and-so. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't remember who that is. Can you let me know? And, and, and I don't even know the woman. So, which is awesome, right? I'm getting referrals from people that I don't, I don't know, but they've heard about me or whatever. And that's how I would really just love to continue to, to grow is, is from referral because it's such a fun way to, to do it. Right. And, um, and I, I just looking back, it's really been about that. I don't think I'm great at doing a lot of networking. I don't think I'm great at going to, uh, you know, networking activities around town or uh, I do a little speaking. Um, I do lead, I do some group coaching and group work, but I don't know. And maybe I should be doing more. And I know should is like this word of a judgment. And I do get stuck in that of should 
I be doing more and should I not? And I don't know. I don't have a, um, I'm not the best coach to talk about, about like having a very clear business plan because I don't necessarily have one. Um, I just kind of go with the flow cool. and see what shows up. Yeah, I appreciate up. that. So what, 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 what um, you know, those, what did those first few coaching packages look like if you're willing to share fees and stuff? And how, how, has, how has that really progressed? What's been behind that? You know, what, and, and what, what packages, services are you offering now in comparison? Yeah. Great question. So when I first started, I was offering three and six month packages, um, a three month package of $1,500 and there's 10 sessions and a six month package of 2,700 for 20 sessions. And I wanted to make the six month more attractive. So, um, I lowered the fees on that a little bit and it worked. I got a lot of people signing up for six months. Um, then what I was very careful to do, which I don't know is always like encouraged in the coaching industry, but for me, I had received this advice of taking small steps and raising my fees to not jump to from $1,500 to $10,000 because you need to be charging more, right? And I'm really glad I didn't do that like huge jump. Like I took these three foot tosses. So then um, I originally then, or yeah, I started then, taking away the three-month package because I found that most people would re-enroll anyways. So I just started offering six months. And then I raised my fees from 2700 to 3000 and 3000 to 3300 and 3300 to 3600 And now um, if I do a six-month package, it's somewhere between four and five thousand dollars and if I do a year package it's around ten thousand and sometimes I still get people who can't really just really can't afford you know a year-long ten thousand dollar package and so sometimes I just really want to serve them and I'll still offer the thirty three hundred dollar package at six months and so I have clients that range from all over the, the spectrum and I part of what I do is I really listen to my intuition and what is going to best serve them and what's going to really stretch them to show up right so they are committed and um, I rarely offer the 3300 anymore I think I have a couple clients where I just that's it but for the most part it's if it's a six month it's between four and five thousand and I'm doing more year long because I I just really like the commitment of a year. Yeah, what, really what are you powerful. what are you seeing? Um, apart from the obvious that you know you work with people longer, so you get to know them better, I guess. But I I, I still occasionally offer three month packages if that's you know what what fits, I guess. Um, and yet I also just see time and time again mm-hmm. after three mm-hmm. months, it can go one of two ways. It can be like well some people just still haven't moved through their own st- stubbornness if you like and they might decide yeah this is really not for me and mm-hmm. yeah when I work with people for longer it can take like that three months you're just getting to know each other and they're just getting to know themselves a little bit more before they have some of those breakthroughs that like it might be in in month four that things start to really move and it's like so I think it really serves our clients much more to have them commit to a longer longer term rather than three months so I wonder what you see in all of that and um, if there's anything particularly you see as a significant advantage really of working with people for a year. Well, one of the things that I see immediately is the patterns like to resurface. So it will be, you know, maybe this one pattern of something that they're working on shows up in month two, and then it'll show up again in month eight. And I get to say, ah, 
this is coming in again. Look, like this is coming up for more healing and opportunity. And that always happens. And and I love that opportunity of getting to really know someone over a period of time so that we are creating this really deep relationship and connection together. And and I get to know them and I get to get to really help call them on the patterns and like some of the bullshit stories that keep coming up time after time, even if we're healing it on one level, it's going to show up on another, right? And and so I get to help support them in that where I think if we were just working together for a shorter period of time, it's not as easy to to do that with. And and I just, I love it. I think that's one of the biggest pieces is really creating that connection and getting to know one another. I am always talking about... Um, things that happened, you know, a while ago with my clients, especially in wins and celebrations. I start every call saying, what are we going to celebrate this week? What are the wins that you went over? And it's really fun to have someone come and celebrate a win. And I get to say, holy smokes, a year ago, if you could have told yourself you were going to be able to say that, you wouldn't have believed yourself. Like, look how far you've come in the past year. And they get to go, oh, you're right. Like, whoa, the growth has been exponential. And that's one of my favorite parts too, is really getting to celebrate how far they've come. And and being that person, because I think so often in our lives, we don't slow down to celebrate, right? And there's not a lot of people who slow you down and say, hey, let's look at where you've come. And that for me is like one of my favorite things about coaching is, is really sharing in that joy of the celebration and wins with people cool i love that and so that's kind of reminded me okay so let's go uh, in a slightly different direction then because okay. right, we've painted this beautiful picture um i love your story how you got into coaching it's all uh i love the enthusiasm of all of that but i'm sure it hasn't been quite as smooth as we could assume right so oh, yeah what's been <laughs> what's like can you share perhaps i'm sure you've got some crazy stories what might look like failures i'm doing air quotes here you know in in particularly in those first you know, couple of years or so i guess where you're probably really finding your feet well hmm. i think I think the biggest failure that comes forward that feels like the most authentic to share is one that actually happened a few months ago. Um, is that okay if I of course, share yeah, that yeah. one? Okay. So my husband and I lead international um, group coaching retreats. And recently we took a group of 11 women to Peru um, through the Andes of Peru. My husband used to live in Peru for three and a half years. So we're really connected to the culture and the community there. And, and we had this incredible trip, and it wasn't perfect. I got home from the trip, and there was, you know, incredible feedback, right? Like, like if we were to rate it on a, you know, A, B, C scale, it was an A. You know, like it was, it got an A, but it didn't get an A plus. And there was pieces of me on this trip where the humanness in me really showed up. The part of me where I wasn't shiny and I did get triggered and I got frustrated, like leading, you know, a group trip with your husband, like you get triggered with your partner at times and like people saw that, right? And I think I showed up 
powerfully in the group sessions. When I was coaching and we were doing group work, I had my coach hat on. Um, I was on point. And it was outside of that where people saw me not as shiny at times. Not all the time, right? But like there was like things that went wrong where it was really hard. And it was this interesting thing because I got feedback from this girl or this woman, I should say, on our trip of, you know, when Elsie was coaching, she really shined. And outside of coaching, she, you know, I saw her get angry and frustrated and it made me feel not safe. And I took that in as, oh my God, I'm the worst. And I got home from Peru and all of my shadow side came up. And I couldn't see the goodness of what we created. And all I could see was where I had failed, where people had seen me get angry. And it wasn't even like yelling, right? Like it's like, but it was, and I took it all in and I had this massive breakdown one day where I just went to my husband. I said, I'm done. How can anyone do this work? I'm done. I'll never lead another trip. I don't want to coach anymore. This is too hard. This career is too hard. And I just cried all day. And I was pretty serious. Like I was like, I I can't continue to put myself out there to get, you know, judged and to have people see my humanness because I'm never going to be perfect. Damn it. You know? And, and it was like all of like my insecurities got put on the big screen. And in, in talking with Jesse Gross about it, he helped me really see that in the coaching industry, um, uh, we show up on stage and we are shiny, right? And we are in our element and in our genius zone and we do, look great right for the most part and then no one ever sees the behind the scenes and on this trip because I was with them eight days day in and day out they saw me behind the scenes and this woman who gave me feedback was someone who does a lot of personal development work and the people she does it with she never sees them behind the scenes Mm. right and that was really hard and it was so important for me in my healing and my learning because I was able to really look at the judgments that I had around myself and look at the ways that I do try to hide my imperfections and looked at, do I want to continue to keep doing this work, right? And I got really clear that the whole reason I had this meltdown was because I was all improving work. And so to bring it back to your question of like, where are the times when I've, you know, melt down and it hasn't been good is when I get stuck in proving worth, when I get stuck in, you need to see me one way, when I get stuck in trying to look like other coaches, because that's not who I am. And I'm really clear now with the next trip that we're leading to Belize of really starting out and saying, you guys are going to see my humanness. Like, can you give me a break? You know, Mm. Um, like I get to see all of yours and like, can you not hold me on this pedestal of this is what I, because I'm, guys, I'm human and I can't do much better than that. Um, So I'm going to ask you a question really um, a little bit deeper about that then. Put you on the spotlight on you even more. You don't have to stand on the pedestal, but you're under the spotlight. Um, How would you describe yourself then as a coach? In what way? 
if I asked you and simply said to you, okay, so how, how do you coach? What is it that you're, what are you actually doing? <laughs> <laughs> so how do I describe myself as a coach? Well, I think a few ways. I think from the, the shiny good part that I claim to be true about me, I think I'm really, I'm very loving, I'm very powerful, I'm very good at seeing through the bullshit and, and coaching people powerfully and, and lovingly through that. And what I'm working on in my coaching is also sharing real life stories with my clients. So when they are telling me I'm going through this, I try to the best of my ability to, to also say this is what I'm going through as well and to share where I struggle in my marriage, to share where I've struggled with my body, you know, image issues, where I share where like, yo, I don't run and exercise every day. Like I want to, but I don't, you know, and, and to try to take some of that pressure maybe off of myself and to, to take it off of my client of thinking that I am perfect. And, and it's sweet because when I do that, almost always they say, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Mm-hmm. So does that answer your question? I'm not yeah, sure if that's yeah, what you're yeah, I, looking for. I love the answer and I'm going to expand on a little bit. So what, what, what kind of client are you then when you're working with a coach? Oh man, I think I'm a really good client <laughs> because, and I say that because I super show up. And I'm really honest and really vulnerable. And I put it all on the table. And I think, I like to think I'm really coachable. Um, I I love being coached. Like, I just I always have a coach because I just find it so valuable. I don't want to live my life without having someone who can support me because I am so clear that if I'm holding space and energy for other people, I need someone doing it for me and someone that's not my husband because it doesn't work when he's the one, like, having to hold space for me. So I... I think I really show up. I do the work. I take action. And I allow myself to just really break down on coaching calls when I need to. I allow myself to say the things that I'm scared of saying out loud, to ask for help. Um, and I think I also am pretty good about like giving feedback to my coaches when something's not resonating with me. Um, I just love being coached so much, so I think I'm a really good client. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> so who or what has influenced your coaching the most? Mm. From a business standpoint, um, Brian Wetton really influenced me, especially at the beginning. Um, I love Brian, but right now I, I think I've grown out of his work a little bit. But for anyone who's starting out, his selling by giving program, I think is an ex- extraordinary program for new coaches. And I just learned so much from that on how to build my practice slowly, authentically. Um, I learned so much about pricing, about referrals. And, and he just does so much good work on heroic leadership versus authentic leadership. And, and it's really helped me, um, try to the best of my ability to stay in the authentic lane I, I know I move into heroic leadership at times but um I think we all do because it's it can be tricky so he's really he's really influenced me a lot 
and from a um, perspective of leading international trips, Jesse Grouse has really supported me because he did a lot of trips. And while I've led hundreds of group programs abroad prior to coaching, I hadn't done them with the coaching perspective, which is a completely different ballgame. And so he was, he's been just amazing and that support and that growth. Cause it's like, that's where my heart is. If I could lead trips all the time, I'd be so happy. And then from a, a just a tools and skills perspective, Ron and Mary from the university of Santa Monica, um, that work is just incredible. And so I'm going to just tease something out here. You use the term and I'm, I'm curious what, what does that mean to you by building your practice authentically? Hmm. Well, for me, it means following the line of energy of what's really true for me and like, who am I and who am I showing up as? And at the beginning, I got really confused of thinking that I needed to look um, like these really pretty, beautiful female coaches. And I needed to only be seen in like really cute clothes with, with my hair done perfectly and lots of makeup on. And that, you know, like I was so afraid if anyone knew that I was coaching in my sweatpants and sweatshirt and like slippers that they wouldn't want to work with me. <laughs> and so one day I posted on Facebook, a um, what Jesse and I call hashtag Tuesday of me in my like, like, you know, I don't know, like stay at home clothes and put it out there and said, hashtag Tuesday, like this is what I wear to work every day. And I've been so afraid to think that if people knew that I coached in my sweatpants, that they wouldn't want to work with me. And I just like put it out there. Right. And guess what? I still got clients, yeah. you know, like it's like no one was like, oh my God, I'm not working with her. <laughs> and it was really freeing for me because it's like, I'm not these other, I'm not these other coaches. Like I just have to show up as me, I'm not, I love Christine Hassler and she's a, a mentor of mine and I am not her, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and for a long time I was trying to compare myself with like, if I'm going to be successful, I have to look like Christine. Not true, right? So authentically just means just being me, letting all of me be seen. Um, and also when I'm creating to follow the line of energy that's true for me, I had a huge fail, uh, last January I launched this new year's program and I followed some really shiny marketing tactics of like, here's how you create this really great group program and you're going to make, you know, all this money. And I just got sucked in. Like I like lost what I was true to and who I was, you know, cause I was feeling a little like I needed to create something new in my business. And I was like, I'm sure this is it. I'm ready to do online marketing. It bombed. I didn't get one sign up and it was embarrassing for like a few days and it was then this great learning opportunity of, whoa, you were so out of alignment. Mm. All this online marketing shit you just followed is not you, girl. Like just like that doesn't work and it's not who you are and the wording and every, like I followed everything perfectly that she told me to do and no one signed up. And then after that I got clear of like, all right, what else do I do? Uh, and I decided to run my retreat to Peru and I marketed it authentically and we were really silly in how we marketed and I didn't look like anybody else. We had these funny Peru hats on and these like, like had these Peruvian flutes and we were like doing this video of come to Peru with us and it was funny and it was silly and like, I don't see other coaches doing that ever. And you know, the video got shared like 
a ton of times and we filled our Peru program and it was amazing. And it was because we were just, and I say we, me and my husband, we were just being us. I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to be like, come to Peru with me. You know, I was like, you guys, this is so fun. Let me like play some flutes and wear some silly hats. And like, you want to come? And if you don't like me being funny and silly, like, well, you're not the right fit. Right. And so that's, yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. at Love that. Okay, so that has me wondering, if there is like one thing about you that has helped you the most in building your coaching practice, what is that? Mm. Okay, can I say two things? Okay. 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 (laughs) The first is the inner work, is doing... Um, my meditations, doing anything that I need to clear out the blocks so that I can be really clear in what's true for me and to listen inwardly. And the more that I do my inner work, the more I practice my self-care, the more clients just show up. Like, I'm like, where'd you come from? Oh, it's because I'm doing my inner work. And it's because they trust the container that I'm holding because I'm holding it for myself first and foremost. And I think that's the most important Thing. And I, there's a, I can clearly track when um, clients come because I'm doing my work and I'm slowing down and I'm taking care of myself and making that important versus when I don't. And so that's that's the first. And then and that's on an inward, right? The inner things that I'm doing. Um, on the outer is sharing authentically. A hundred percent. Like when I just share and let myself be seen, like even as I'm doing on this podcast, I'm telling you a lot of things that most people don't know about me. And um, and there's something about about that that I think our society is just yearning for right now. Is like, please, can I just relate with somebody and know that someone else feels the way that I feel? And that for me. Um, really works and it's my biggest challenge as well because it's the thing that pushes me the most it's the thing that feels the most out of my comfort zone and scary it's a lot easier to share from a very uh surface level right i can do that um it takes a lot more courage for me to have to share authentically and um and it's what i'm also very dedicated to because it's what's important to me. So let's get even more authentic. <laughs> so what's currently not working? What would you, you know, what are you either working on now or feel that there's something you'd like to change for the better? Mm. Well, there's a few things that aren't working that I'm currently shifting. Um, I'm, I'm aware that when I set outward goals for myself of like I want to create three new clients this month and I want to so much money this month and I want to send out so many emails I just like shut down and I stop working and I've been doing that for a long time like it's like a it's a pretty big that I come back into and so right now what I'm working on is creating my practice from a space of I don't even know how to explain it yet because I'm still trying to figure this out. It's like it's a really big pattern for me. But um, from a space of surrender and flow and doing the work and just really allowing myself to um, 
to really take care of myself and love myself and like be my own biggest cheerleader and not look outward for validation, right? So the other thing, if I'm, if I'm super honest, that's not working and I'm not quite sure why it's not working. Um, Johnny and I are leading a trip to Belize in um, January. It's another coaching trip. And we love Belize. We used to live to, in Belize. And for whatever reason, not a lot of people are signing up. And it's very possible the trip won't, won't run. We have two and a half weeks. The deadline is um, November 1st. And I think part of it is like I've had an inner block around something. And I'm really working on trying to figure it out. And I don't know. And part of it may be, God, who knows? Like, I don't know. And part of my lesson is surrendering and trusting that if it's not for the highest good, this trip won't run. And if it's for the highest good, it's going to fill in the next two and a half weeks. Mm. And I don't know, right? And so that that feels like a little vulnerable to share because I'm really putting myself out there and wanting this to run. And it might not. And I have to just be okay with, with it if it doesn't. And, you know, I think that's also one thing about the coaching industry that people don't share often is like when their groups don't fill. Right. Because I know that I'm not the only one who has a group that's like maybe half full right. and might still. Right. I mean, one of my favorite stories around this is actually from one of my mentors, Robert Holden. He tells a story of, I think, his first happiness. I think he did a happiness workshop and uh, in London and only two people showed up. But it transpired that they only showed up because they were in the wrong room for something else. Which I just thought was <laughs> hilarious. So. <laughs> of course we don't we don't share what, what we deem perhaps to be the things that haven't really worked out so i've got a, a slightly different take on the question you know if you if you just looking back what have you learned now that would make things a little easier i'd like to expand on that a little bit more detail so like what's been perhaps the toughest time over the last few years for you in coaching and you know what did you learn from that or what have you learned since that would have made that easier Honestly, the toughest time was when I first started coaching and I almost, I like didn't have any money. Um, I had finished graduate, you know, I graduated from USM, um, because I had gotten laid off. I had, uh, I was on unemployment, my unemployment benefits ran out and I did what everyone tells you not to like, like I should have had another job probably instead of um, coaching, but I just got so much feedback from the universe of like, go yet I was making money, but I was in debt. And I remember just crying all the time. And to some extent feeling like a fraud of here I am being this coach. And yet my financial life is like really struggling. And I would cry all the time. And I, there was moments then when I would be creating from this space of, oh my God, I need to create clients because I need to make money, right? Which we all know like doesn't work, right? Because needy is creepy. And that was fucking hard. Um, and it there was so much misalignment of what was going on inside. And so I finally got through it. Um, but... I th what was your question? What did I what did I learn? Yeah, what from? have you learned from that? What have you learned since that would have made that you know easier? Phew. 
to relate differently to my finances, right? To, to, to do that different and to be okay to ask for help. Like I felt just really isolated in, in that. I felt a lot of shame around it. And, um, and that I could have done a part-time job. There's no shame in having a part-time job and being a coach, but I was, my ego was so like, you can't do this. You know, I don't know. Um, without that, like, like that just really sticks out as I look back at my first year of coaching and I think on the outward, it looked really amazing. And on the inward, like within my household, like I was really struggling from a financial spot mm-hmm. and that was really hard. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So a couple more questions. Uh, if you had perhaps all a whole bunch of coaches, I was going to say all the coaches in the world, but let's just say for people who are either starting out or in their first couple of years of coaching, if you had all those guys in a room to give them a 30 second or one minute message, what might that be? People are going to say no. Keep moving forward anyways. Um, collect the no's. And if you continue to keep getting a lot of no's to tune inwardly and to say, where am I off track? Where am I not in alignment? And that the more that you can be in alignment with your truth and shine up, shine up, show up and be you to allow yourself to shine you're never going to look like anybody else. So so quit trying because it's a waste of energy. And keep going. And there's going to be moments of quote-unquote failure. There's going to be moments where this feels so hard. And it is going to be hard because coaching is not for the faint of heart. This is one of the most rewarding professions and one of the hardest professions I've ever done. And it's I am so grateful for it because... Every single day, I make the choice to keep showing up as a better version of myself so that I can serve on an even higher level. And there's no other profession that I know of where that is so important. And so, like, you've chosen the right path, but it's not necessarily always going to be easy and shiny. It's a roller coaster. And um, just trust that all the dips in the down parts of the roller coaster all for you it's never against you beautiful beautiful thank you so much i mean that's that's inspired me so thank you personally for for sharing Mm. that for you then just finally what is the purpose of your coaching the purpose of my coaching is to really be this beacon of light and to be of service in this world in a really big way and to help other people come to their truth and and to hold a really strong container of space for them to heal to do that work to recognize who their authentic self is, what their truth is, and to go forward so that then they can take this and do even better work of whatever it is that they're doing in the world and and share this. And it's my little way of bringing light and love and goodness and allowing then my clients to get out of their way so that they can bring light and love and goodness to the people in their lives as well. 
Thank you, Elsie. So if anybody listening to this would like to get in contact with you, like to get in touch, how would you prefer them to do that? Yeah, thanks. They can go to my website, which is turninglifegold.com. They can find me on Instagram at Elsie Storm, Twitter, Facebook, Elsie Storm. And if anyone wants to come to Belize, hit me up. I'd love to take you. (laughs) Cool. It's been a beautiful conversation. I'm very, very happy that uh, Jesse recommended I I have this conversation with you. There's a lot in here for people. So thank you for sharing so authentically and openly with us. Thank you. Thank you. This has been great. How about that? I love this conversation with Elsie. So much in here, so I'll just pick a few things out. Something that I failed to do initially in my coaching career is take it seriously as a business, and it does seem that Elsie did exactly that. She started her coaching as a business and got straight into it, and I'm sure that that had a big impact on how she got clients straight away. She got going straight away by running a coaching business. Then she mentioned a real gem about focusing on value with her clients and then also noticing that people's scores for value mirrored their scores for commitment. And there's something there for all coaches to explore. Focusing on commitment may well bring more value to the coaching too. She said she doesn't really have a business plan. She goes with the flow and see what shows up. I love that, of course. That's pretty much how I work. And especially if we're willing to experiment, that has certainly worked for me. Just keep experimenting, trying things out and following you know, your intuition and your inspiration. She talked about celebrating wins to provide um, some perspective for our clients. I love that idea. Um, I also so appreciated her honesty in all of this conversation and particularly around her tough times. And she mentioned she had learned it was important to ask for help. And wow, that's something I can definitely vouch for, particularly of late. People love to help and are often honored if we ask just ask just ask and her message keep going another gem coaching is not for the faint of heart but keep going so i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did and if you did enjoy this episode or any of the others please head on over to itunes and leave a brief review it will help um it will take you less than a minute and it will help other people find this podcast so thank you once again for listening see you on the next episode of the coaching life and i wish you much love and joy